I just want to get right into his word. I have um, uh, the second part. We did a communion week last week, but I have the second part that I'd like to get into um, from two weeks ago about the body. And we just looked, I read the whole chapter. I won't do that to you today, but 1 Corinthians 12. I won't read the whole chapter, but let me just turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for us and for every single one of us here. Thank you, Lord. It says in verse 4, it says, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same uh, Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And then it goes on in verse 12, it says, The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up, let's just say this together, one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So we see that there are many gifts, that there are many abilities, that each of us has a gift and an ability, and God has blessed you um, just the way you are with something for someone else. That's the way God designed it. And then it says in verse 12 that it's like a human body. That just as a human body has many parts, the many parts make up one whole body. And so I just want to go right into my sermon, and I just want to review just quickly, um, and I don't always have point points. Sometimes it's more like a ballad kind of just wander into it and just wander around where God has me in it. But I actually had some points, so I just wanted to read those points quickly. And you can go back and listen to our last podcast uh, if you'd like to get some more detail into these points. But point number one is that, is well, firstly, pre-point, point A before point one is that we are his body. All right, just very simply, you are one cell. Say, I'm a cell of a body. Okay, you are not the body of Christ. Say, I'm not the body of Christ. Okay, you are a part, right? I'm a part. You're a part of his body. And Christ is the head. That's point number one. So point A, now we're going to move into point one. Point one that I made last uh, two weeks ago was that Christ is the head. All right, so you are a part of the body and Christ is the head. This must be... Um, established. The church of the entire world is his body. All right. He doesn't have many bodies. Christ has one body. Christ has one body worldwide. It goes across the world. It goes across culture. It goes across language. It goes across denominations. Christ has one body. Now there are, we could sit here and debate Um, errors, and um, things that we do right. And there are many on both sides in every single denomination across the world. But the commonality to his body is that Jesus Christ is the center. Now, if he is not the center, and if it's not Jesus of the Bible, then it's not part of his body. That's very simple. Okay, but if it is his body... Um, it is going to have his DNA. And just because it has his DNA doesn't mean it doesn't have cancer in that cell, right? A cell can have cancer in it, but still contains the full DNA of Jesus Christ. So there are errors. We can go all the way back 2,000 years. We can read the Bible that was written Uh, 2,000 years ago and read about these churches that they were dealing with errors and issues in those churches. So the church is never going to be without error and without issue. That's not what I want to preach about today. I want to establish that it is still his body, that his body 
needs us, that we, when there is error, when there is a cancer, right, what does the body do? The body, because he calls it a human body, right? He calls it just like a human body. So the body of Christ does what when there's a sickness in it? It heals itself. It's an amazing system that God has made that your body heals itself. Sometimes I'm a little frustrated at how weak it is because I'm a rough guy, <laughs> I'm rough and I, I'm, I mean, I'm careful to an extent. And then, right, if you're a guy and you're running around and doing guy stuff, we get cuts and we get bruises and stuff. And sometimes it's a little annoying to have blood all over what I'm working on. But then it's amazing. I look and just days later, that cut is healed. Isn't that incredible that God has made your body to heal? And you know, God's body, the church, right? Christ is the head. His DNA is inside every one of those cells, and it has the ability to heal and to grow. Every single one of those cells and every single part of his body can make corrections. The, the power is in there, right? That's why um, we see as we read through the churches, when Paul wrote to the churches and Peter writes to the churches and James writes, that they will bring correction, they bring correction because they have the ability to be corrected. So what we must do as Christians is not look at the errors within the body. We must look past the errors and we must look for Christ's DNA within those cells and within those parts to his body. And then we must do what the body does best, which is healing. The body is not meant to remain sick, but to pray for its healing and to be part of its healing. And that's kind of where I want to go today. But let me breeze through these points first. So firstly, Christ is the head and his body is one body. There's one head of Christ has one head. So his body is one body. And there are many cells within that body. And point number two was, and we read this in verse 11, that the Spirit distributes the gifts. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that the Holy Spirit distributes the gifts. He decides what gifts, uh, not only what individuals will have, but even the gifts that particular churches have, even um, regions have, right? Some churches are really good at one thing that other churches aren't good at. And we, we must not look and judge and be, in one respect, we could be envious of what they're great at. Um, oh, and then the other side, we can actually judge what, what they're terrible at. And we can't do either because just as the human body has many parts, we must understand that the Holy Spirit is trying if we're willing to listen to him, right, to get us to a place where we can function together, function as his church, function as his body, to bring, to bring about, really, Christ's return, right? And Christ's return is only going to come when what? When we come into a unity, when, when those that are, need, to be, need to hear the gospel have heard the gospel. When every single, when we hit that last person that has heard the gospel, that needs to hear the gospel, when that happens, Christ is going to return. And in order for that to happen, that means the message needs to be spoken. In order for the message to be received, it means that they need to be able to see love, and not just in an individual, but in a church. How many times have you witnessed to somebody, am I going too fast? Sometimes when I want to breeze through points to get to somewhere, I'm going fast. Is it okay? Are we all right? Um, how many times have you gone witnessing to someone, and we've all been there, and you're sharing the gospel with them, and it's not that they have a problem with the gospel you're preaching, but they have a problem with the church. Isn't that so sad? That it's not that they're rejecting what you have to say, but it's Christianity as a whole. And so the Lord, really, we see how important it is that the church functions properly. And I don't mean this particular building, although that's a part of it. I'm preaching to this building, so we must get this. But honestly, the whole church of the world has to get this right. We're, we're so, and I've been preaching about this a lot. The Lord has had me for like the last eight months, just keeps coming up and keeps coming up, keeps coming up. 
We have to get this part right, this unity right. We have to find the commonality in Jesus Christ and the disunity, the stuff that would try to divide us and, and creates all the other issues that the world looks at and doesn't like. Those things we must deal with. We must deal with those things so that the gospel then can be received in their hearts, so that they can look past. And I always encourage people, don't judge Jesus by me, and don't judge Jesus by my predecessors, and don't judge Jesus by other Christians. That's a hard thing to do to try to get someone, convince them to look at Jesus and not look at people, because we look, right? That's what we do. We observe and we see. But honestly, we need to come to terms with the fact that the Holy Spirit is moving. He is doing it. The Holy Spirit has been building his church from the beginning of time. Can we deny that? We cannot deny that he has been building and moving. And, and there is a grand plan. We can see that into the book of Revelations that the Lord is working out. The Holy Spirit is at work and he has distributed what you need to be who God has called you to be. And point number three was that God is in control, and he's placed us where we belong. And that was in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18. It says, uh, our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. So the Holy Spirit has distributed it, and God has put you where you, where he <laughs> wants you to be. Who has wanted to be somewhere else and just can't seem to get there, right? Well, I said it my whole life, as a, as, a, as a young man till, till I was 18, I said, I'm out of here. As soon as I can, I'm going to go somewhere and be in the mountains somewhere, or, you know, go west, go on some sort of world travel, just get out of here. And that's not the plan that God had for me. That's the plan that I had for me, but God knew exactly where he needed me to be, and this is it. And then when you submit to his plan, you actually learn to love you learn to actually love where he's placed you, right? And you learn to love the, even the, the geographical location and the, and the people that he's placed you around. You learn to, if you'll just submit to the Lord and realize his plan's best for you, you realize, wow, this is actually amazing. And that's, I can honestly say that. So God is in control and he's placed us where? And point number four was that, it's not about you, and, and this is where I ended the sermon last week, but it says in verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, that a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Not so we can help ourselves, but that God has actually created the body in a way that each one of us and that this building even, right, not just as us as individuals, but this building to another building to another building that the world calls churches, that's not what God calls them. God calls it the church, the body. We call them churches, and that's okay, and God's not offended, but I want you to understand that we need to tear down all the walls of all the churches, and again, I'm not talking about places that don't acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son, the one and only Son, that it's through His blood, through His grace, through His mercy that you're saved. But those that identify in those points, we have to tear down the walls and recognize that we are one body, even with errors, even with faults, even with many, many, many faults. If we read His Word, unfortunately, His children were always filled with faults. Did you ever read the word and just get a little bit sad sometimes in the Old Testament? There's a reason why a lot of people don't read the Old Testament because sometimes it can seem so morbid. But you should actually just come to terms with the fact that that is humanity. But the other side, why we don't need to be morbid is what? God's grace and his mercy. That every single time they failed, he still had a way. He made a way and made a way and made a way and made a way and then made a way again. And then they definitely didn't deserve it this time, but he made a way again. And so we actually have to look the same way that Jesus does at us. The Bible says that Jesus was on the cross. Let me just create a picture. I'm going to use a little bit of license because it wasn't on the cross. But it says that he loved us while we were still sinners. So that means that while he's on the cross, his love for us is not, why did you put me on this cross? 
I'm sinless. I've done nothing wrong. I don't deserve to be here. It's you put me here and you meant it and you did it with cursings. You did it with revilings. You did it with beatings and you're even mocking me while I'm up here and I still love you. That's the love that God wants us to have. And when we get that love for one another, we will be truly blessed personally, but honestly, so will his church. And so that was that, that point that I really wanted to drive home, and that was where I closed it. I want to transition from there to the next point today, that it is about each other. It's about each other. It is not about you. God somehow sustains you. And this is what the body does, just as the human body. Imagine the human body. Imagine the eye was only thinking about the eye. You know who the eye works for? You know who this eye in my head works for? Not itself. If this eye starts doing what it wants to do, what do I do? I'm going I'm to cover it up. I'm going to stop it. I'm going to slap my head or something. I'm going to try to get this eye to focus. Or I'm going to go to the doctor and find out what's wrong with this eye because it's not doing what I'm telling it to do. We have to understand that each part of the body, and this is what I want to go into, part number four, part number five, is that there are many different gifts. There are many different parts. God has made different parts. There are many parts to the body, and the parts to the body are there. They're at the direction of what? Is your, my hand moving right now? Everybody just move your hand. Everybody. Okay. Now, did I make you move your hand? Did your hand make you move your hand? Was your hand in control? Who was in control when you moved your hand? The mind. Your mind, right? That is, so to the spiritual body, to Christ's body, when the hand is moving, who's in control? Christ is in control. Christ is in control. Jesus is telling the parts to do what they need to do for his benefit. Now, as the part submits to him. Now, what does Jesus say? Jesus said, if your eye doesn't submit, come on, this is the, this is the scripture. I just, I didn't even mean to. You know what? Well, that was totally by accident. That's right. Jesus gives us two analogies. He says, if your eye does what it wants to do, gouge it out. And if your hand won't submit to you and does what it wants to do, cut it off. He said, it'd be better to enter heaven without an eye and without a hand than to go to hell with two hands and two eyes. That's very, very interesting. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Wow. We are submitted to Christ. That's what we must learn as Christians. We have come into his body. The Bible says we've been grafted in. Do you know what a grafting is? Anybody ever seen this done? I just saw a tool advertised on Pinterest, a grafting tool. It actually cuts the stuff. The, uh, you can cut a branch in this perfect V pattern. And then it's got a male and a female side. So you can cut a, a perfect V and then a perfect V and then they fit together and there's a tape and you tape it up and you can actually graft some, a branch into another tree. That's what the Bible says happened to us. We've been grafted in. He took us, we were wild and he took our wildness and he grafted us into his tree and then he starts grooming us and shaping us. His body is his body. If you have come into the kingdom, if you, have, if you have come and become part of his body, but you are a wild cell, there is a time where he will work on that cell to try to heal it, 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 heal it. I don't know the end of his grace. The Bible doesn't say that there is an end. But at some point, we stop breathing. So I guess that's the end. If that cell would not submit to the body, it dies. A cell that does not submit to the rest of the body, and it still has the DNA of Christ, but if it doesn't submit to the body, it dies. We are not here for ourselves. Somehow, supernaturally, when I give myself fully to him, 
And then he does what he wants with me, right? Starts moving me as I, uh, as, as I'm moving, he's moving me. And the same thing for each of us is we're moving and doing and speaking and we just keep submitting to him. He's in control and it is not for you, but for his glory and for each other. And somehow, because God is in control of it, what you are doing for someone else, someone else is doing for you. Somehow, supernaturally, God has created it so that we are different on purpose, so we have to rely on each other. Just as husbands and wives, they say, uh, they say opposites attract. Why is that? Because the opposite to you has what you need, just as what they need is what you have. Now, some spouses think they have it all. <laughs> all the females in here are nodding yes. They don't need a man. They just want children. <laughs> all the men are agreeing, but quietly they're careful to agree. <laughs> we need each other. No matter what you think, no matter how smart you think you are and how strong you think you are, you need each other. Listen, I just had G.I. Jane, it was on TV the other day, and it's neat to watch, and so it's not a sexist thing. I think a woman, if she really pushes herself, she, of course she can do physically what a man can do. Just like a man, if he really, really wants to, he can do some of the things that women can do. But men and women are men and women on purpose. Sure, we can cross those lines and do what each other does better. That's not to get weird or get offended. There's nothing to get offended at that. Women are better at what women are better at, and men are better at what men are better at. That's the way God made us. And if we'll be who God's made us to be, and submit to each other, right? What happens? You have harmony. Harmony in a relationship, right? Is when the two realize that I'm not here for myself. I'm here to serve you and you're here to serve me. And then together, right? In a selfless way, every need that you have is met. Somehow your needs are met in a selflessness. You're selfless, right? This is a, in a godly relationship, right? Godly marriage, my selflessness towards you, I don't have need any longer. Everybody get, anybody getting this here today? It's quiet, man. I touched some nerves. There are many different gifts. It says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Verse 5, there are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. We have a common goal of serving the Lord. We have a common goal of, of loving each other, being there for each other, but each of us has something different to offer. Say, it's different. Thank you. But it's the same. <laughs> it's different, but it's the same. We're all different. We all have all different personalities. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different um, strengths and weaknesses. And yet the Lord is the same Lord. And God did that on purpose. When we come to terms with the fact that God did that on purpose and that one person's weakness is not meant to be, I'm not pointing at you, sorry. I'm like pointing when I say weakness. One person's weakness <laughs> is not meant to be pointed at, but it's my strength that he needs. Just as my weakness, he has a strength that I need. I think so many times as believers, we can miss the oneness 
because we're looking at strengths and weaknesses. And the truth is, is that verse 6, God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 14, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand. Right? They're so good at this. They're so good at that. I don't know what my part is. Or they're so terrible at this and they're so terrible at that. I'm so much better than them at that. It says in verse 16, if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? We are different on purpose. We have different gifts and abilities by God's design. Say that out loud. By God's design, we're different. Listen, this is going to be hard for you to admit. I'm going to say it out loud. We'll see if you can follow. I am weak on purpose. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> now, you don't need to stay weak, right? Because if we will submit our weaknesses, just like we submit our strengths to the body, then I'm not weak anymore. But so many times our weaknesses are because we're trying to do it in our own strength and we go, I know that, I hear that. That's right, I need to let the Lord do it. You're right, Pastor. I need to let the Lord help me. I'm weak in this area and the Lord's gonna have to help me. It's so much greater. These last months, the Lord's been like just changing my whole reality, just changing the way I see his word, seeing the body. No, it's not just that, it's not just saying, okay, Jesus, you need to help me in this area. I'm weak in it. I'm not discounting that. I'm not taking that away. But Jesus is saying back to you, well, you're saying that, yes, but I'm the head of a body, and the very thing you need is within the body. Come on, just like the human body is self-sustaining, so is the body of Christ. What you need is within the body. Your weakness is somewhere in that body for someone else's strength to help you. And there's such a fulfillment. Come on. I'm going to be really sexist for a minute, okay? It wasn't 100 years ago, but 2019 this is. For a man to go out and work and do a job and to bring home the bread, right? For the wife to go into the kitchen and cook is so fulfilling for him, just as it is for her to make it now for him who just worked for it and the family. I know that that doesn't fit 2019 anymore, it's how it used to be for 7,000 years, but suddenly, suddenly, that's sexist. Whatever, I don't really care. But the fulfillment is that I did my part, you did your part, and we're a happy family. God's body is exactly the same. Each of us is different on purpose. We all have different gifts, different abilities. It's the same exact spirit for one goal. One goal, his glory. It's always for his glory, always. It doesn't matter what we're doing, whether we're here in this room as a body or we're out on the street witnessing to somebody brand new, all of it is for his glory, all of it. All of it is so that his body is growing. Whether it's growing in numbers or growing in strength, it's becoming a more glorious body. It gives him glory, doesn't it? I just want to read 
um, very quickly, because I don't want to major today on what the gifts are. I want you rather to understand that you are different on purpose and that we all have a gifting and giftings on purpose and weaknesses. But I just want to read quickly. Um, I love in Romans 12, the list here. Romans 12, verse 4, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. There it is again, right? We're many parts, but of one body, okay? There is one body, and we all belong to each other. Verse 6, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if you have, so if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you Leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. In 1 Peter chapter 4, we find another list. It says God has given, verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Your gift is not for you. It is not for you. It is for the body. But you, in giving yourself fully to the body of Christ, you will have every need met. Jesus promised us that. He told us, why are you worrying? Why are you fearing? Why are you wondering? He said, I take care of the flowers. I take care of the birds. Why wouldn't I take care of you? All right, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing to worry. We don't lack anything. We are meant to give it all. We're meant to be fully abandoned, fully committed. And when we do, he will meet every need. I promise you, I've seen the Lord do it over and over and just countless times. As we have given ourselves fully to him, he has given us everything we need and way more than I could possibly ask or think. That's what his promise is. It says, verse 11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? <laughs> we got another audio. We'll just read the gifts out aloud. <laughs> just in case I wasn't clear enough. <laughs> That's okay. It says, so one is speaking. Everybody thinks the gift is speaking, right? Everybody thinks the gift is the, is the one that everybody can see. And I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. But it says, do you have the gift of helping others? Sometimes we discount the gifts. We discount what God really thinks is the gift. Sure, they're speaking. I'm doing... Uh, um, using that gift of speaking right now, but that is only one of equal gifts. You know, there's not a tier system in the church. <laughs> there's not a tier system of greatness of gifts. This whole rock star pastor thing is ridiculous. And it's not really the pastor's fault. It's everyone that makes them like that. When everybody flocks around them and like, you know, and worships them, that's not their fault. I mean, they have to deal with their own pride, but the people have made them like that. There is no greater gift than that. It says then, do you have the gift of helping others? Do you see a, anybody notice in the scriptures how it says a list of, of greatness of gift here and how it says speaking is, man, that's like, man, you're like a solid 10 right there. But helping others, you know, it's like a three, but it's still a good gift. It doesn't say that, does it? It just says whatever you have, do it with all that you have. God, I want you to say that out loud. 
All that I have, I give to you, Lord. He's not looking at you saying, man, why don't you do what they do? Because then we'd be a weird, weird, weird body, right? We already read through it. We'd be all eyes or all mouths or all feet. Come on. But there are hands and feet and eyes, and they all are working together, right? Hopefully my eye can see so, so that my feet know where to go. Do you know what the Lord started showing me with this is, it's like an engine, just like a body that all the parts fit together. An engine has many parts. We look at the engine, right? I'm going to be sexist again since it's that type of Sunday. Women have, yep, I've seen it in there. Sure, I know what an engine looks like. I've seen the top of it before. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't dug that deep in one myself either. But engines have many, many parts. And you know, every single part is there for a reason. If you took out a part, the engine doesn't work too well, does it? In fact... You could have the most amazing part to the engine. I'm not even going to tell you what that is because I don't know. I think they're all equal. If every single part is necessary, then which one's the most amazing? But anyway, let's just say we took out your favorite part, right? The pistons, the power of the pistons in the engine, right? You took them out and you put them on a shelf. Do you know what those become? Some guys have them on their shelf. You know what they are by themselves? Paperweights. An amazing, powerful engine, right, that's working so harmoniously together. Every single part in a system perfectly designed to create an outcome that is not for itself. Do you think the piston's like, man, I'm just doing an amazing job today, and I'm just so proud to be a piston, because like, and everybody's like, wow, man, you're like the piston in here. He, has, he is like so far removed, right? He doesn't even understand. How could the driver who needs to get from A and B even explain to the piston what his purpose is? He doesn't even understand what he's there for. He has, he's mindless. Like literally, that's why I'm using an engine on purpose to try to create the fact that we have minds and we're thinking, we have abilities and we're doing, but God is the driver inside this thing and he's trying to take us and get his church somewhere, and you're like a piece to that puzzle, but really you think you know and you think you understand, you don't. Except to do exactly what he's asked you to do. And if you do that, then actually it brings not only God glory, but it actually will help the other parts. The other parts can't work without you. They need you. This church needs you. Don't think you don't, that you're not needed. And it's tough. I think sometimes it's tough speaking to a small group sometimes because I know all of you, so I don't, it's hard for me to say what you're thinking in your hearts. But speaking to a big crowd, it could be much more go through all of the, all of the thoughts that you might be thinking. But I don't know that you are. I don't know that you aren't, but you are needed. God needs you. If you have the gift of helping, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to yourself. Everything you do will bring glory to God. So you help someone else with all the strength and energy that God gave you. So wait a second. I think this is key here that we notice this. Who gave you the ability? You know what's funny when we're selfish about our gifts? Come on, don't tell me that the world's not being selfish about their gifts. I am not offended by billionaires. I could care less about money, a little or a lot. That's not what offends me. You know what offends me is the person who made themselves a billionaire for self. It's all self, 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 self. I don't care about the amount of money. That's irrelevant. You think money matters? What is money, really? It's a piece of paper. 
or it's digital today. Is it even real? What really is it? I trade you, you trade me some magical thing out there now through, through computers. Come on, people are weird about cryptocurrency. We've already been in it for a long time since you started swiping a card. You go to work and somehow they put a number that you never see. You just look and you see a number. You don't actually touch it. And then you use this card, which gives you access to that number. Anyway, my point is the number is irrelevant. That's not what it is. It's the self. It's the self. The world teaches you, use your gifts and abilities for yourself. And we just, there's a shop, and they named that vape shop this, YOLO. Come on, it's a saying that's already out there. It's a dumb, dumb saying. Please, I do not want to hear anybody in this church saying YOLO. It means you only live once. It's actually true, but the reason that people say it is you only live once, so live it up. Which is such a fake. It's so false. There's no substance to it. It is such a weak, poor, really disgusting reality to our creation, to who we are. Everything you are, God made. Everything you have, God gave you. Every gift, every ability that you had, you cannot boast because you didn't make yourself. Some weaknesses are, are brought on by self. Some weaknesses we do allow ourselves when we bring on self. But even that, God created a system to help you submit your weaknesses just like your strengths to each other. That's why the church today doesn't really do it like they used to. And we're really, really trying to get back there. But it tells us in the scripture and early tradition was that they didn't just come and say, hey, let me show you all my strengths so I can help you. But they also submitted, they, they repented not just to God, but to one another. They would confess their sins to one another. What is that doing? It humbles you and it exposes your weakness for someone else to help you and give you strength. Everything that you have is for God's glory. It was given to you by God. And if you will use it with all your strength, it will help your brothers and sisters. Anybody get anything out of this today? Every single gift is necessary. I just want to say some things. Don't downplay who you are. Don't downplay your gifts. Wherever, if you know, if you study moves of God in history, wherever you find a move of God that happened throughout all of history, do you know what you find? You're going to find names. You can go to the library, you can Google it, and you're going to find, you Google moves of God, you're going to find names. Find particular names, one name. This guy did this, and this man did this, and this woman, she did, led this group of people. But do you know that is only one little tiny, tiny piece of the story? By the time that a preacher reaches a town, do you know how much prayer? Do you know how much dedication, how much sacrifice was poured into even generations of suffering for their, for their valley, for their region, for their nation, to finally bring in a change to their region, a change to their family, a change to their culture. Now, the world puts particular names, right? The world says, here's this name, and, and they did it, but it's not true. I'm not taking away their part, right, to that engine. They're like the exhaust to the engine, the final part, right? After an engine's done all that it does, here's the exhaust. And that's the part, if you listen, okay, we can hear, <laughs> we can hear the volume. All that engine and all that work and all those pieces, and you can hear what it's doing, but it's only really one part. 
I just wanted to encourage us today that God has a plan and a purpose for you. And to those that are listening on the podcast, wherever you are, whatever church building that you're in, you're a part of the church, you're a part of God's body, and you are not here for yourself. Casey came and watched the building, and we're so thankful for that. But I'm not trying to get you guys to come here and like do stuff around the building. Those things need to get done, and I'm very thankful. And a lot of times when a preacher preaches a, a message like this, it's like, hey, we need you to help around here. And that's not what this is. Those things, I'm so thankful, and those will have to keep getting done. And every week, you know, chairs need to be moved sometimes, and things are cleaned, and all those things. And sometimes people think that's just the function of the church. That's just one part of a function. I want you to be thinking about the body like all week that your prayer time is not just what you need, but your brothers and sisters. And I know I've been saying this a lot for these eight months, but you know, thinking about who can I encourage today? Not just on Sunday, oh, let me wait till Sunday and I'll get there and I'll encourage them. Especially today, we can access people through like 10 different ways today, right? We can call them, you could mail them a letter and it will still get there before Sunday just to encourage them. But God, we we downplay it. We think it's not important. We think it's not necessary. And part of it is we've become so individual. We've become so secluded. I call it anti-social media because in this modern world, in an an attempt to be social, we've actually withdrawn. And we have these little circles that we've protected. You know, we're afraid to get hurt. We're afraid to step out there and, and, and be abused and used. So we don't want to do anything or be anyone or let anyone know anything anymore because they're going to judge us or they're going to use us. And you need to just be done with that. You need to become like a part in the engine, like the piston that has no mind, that doesn't even know that you're being used. You don't even know that you're being used and abused. All you know is, I'm just doing what I'm here to do, and I'm going to do it to the fullest that I can. And that could be so many things. I encourage you, there's in 1 Corinthians 12, you can read through there too. There are many, many giftings, and there are many, many beyond that aren't listed. But you have been put on this earth for a purpose, and it is not for yourself. You will find your most fulfillment. You will find self is, is satisfied when you give it all. When you give everything to your brothers and sisters, when you just completely abandon, if you say, I'm abandoning to you, Jesus, Jesus is in heaven saying, okay, that means to my body. We keep going, okay, Jesus, I keep giving it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you. We give it to you. We give it to you. And then we come out of our prayer closet. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to see anyone. I don't want, to, I don't want anybody near me. And Jesus is like, okay, you gave it to me, but me is my body. That's me. That is me. So I just wanted to encourage you, encourage you to be so much more mindful. And that's what we've been just trying to, we've been trying to, this last couple of months, especially Dawn and I, and behind the scenes have been talking about this a lot and just trying to just dig this thing up out of our heart to be so much more mindful of each other and to be doing so much more together. And honestly, it's first of all, impossible by yourself. It's impossible to be the body of Christ by yourself. It's impossible. But secondly, even if it were somehow possible, you will never be blessed. You will never ever find fulfillment living for yourself. Find a way. You ask the Lord, and I promise you, he will answer you to give of yourself to somebody else. Ask the Lord, how can I give? And and this is why I said, take down the walls and talked about the body and not this building. Think of the body of Christ. Like Voice of the Martyrs. You can think of that organization of just one. I'm just, just completely just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that that's amazing or that's the organization or whatever. But this organization goes into uh, mostly third world parts of the world and, uh, and to um, heavily persecuted parts of the world. And they'll help pastors. They help the sick. They help the needy in those regions and share the gospel. And 
Um, you can give to them of your money, what you worked hard for, and you never ever see the results. And yet you over here in the comfort of the U.S. and in peace are giving into a community that you will only know about in heaven. And God has done that on purpose. Is it possible? I'm not saying it's fair. You need to get the whole fair thing out of your mind. It's not fair that someone um, is born without a leg, and yet it happens. So imagine the world was like, well, that's your problem. So the rest of the world, right, the family that has that child without the leg is there to help the child do more than they can. They can't do everything you can do. Or legless is a better example where you really have to help them and serve them. And is it possible in the body of Christ, get fair, let's just take fair and let's just push it away. Is it possible that there are third world parts and first world parts on purpose? Not that God designed it, but has allowed it just as there are weaknesses and strengths in the church on purpose so that we can help them. They don't need to be weak. Imagine, imagine the first world gave freely. Imagine the first world gave more to the third world. Third world wouldn't be the third world anymore, would it? And so I just wanted to just, I don't know, crack open our skulls a little bit today and encourage us that there is so much more for us and it is in serving the body, it's being for the body, it's giving to the body and just doing whatever that is. Don't try to gauge it. Don't look at a greater or least or less. Just do what you can do and ask the Lord though what that is. Don't just decide on yourself, well, I don't have enough money so I can't give because that's relative because they have like a dollar. So if you have $10, you have 10 times more than them. You go, well, it's only $10. And they're going to say, well, I only have a dollar. So don't just assume in yourself what you do and you don't have. Ask the Lord, what can I give? What can I do for you, Lord? What can I give of myself? You're going to say, I don't have time. And that's relative. Lord's going to say, you don't have time because I'm pretty sure I control the clock. And I decide when you were born and I decide when you die. So you telling me you don't have time it's kind of weird that we do that, et cetera. I could go on, and I don't want to bore you. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. I thank you, Lord God, that you're with us. You're here with us today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you were speaking to us. And I pray, Lord God, we would grow Lord, that we would become, Lord, the full stature of the body of Christ as you designed us to be. And Lord, each of us, Lord, would walk fully, Lord, in every part and with all of our energy and all of our strength, what you called us to. And Lord, I thank you in our selfless abandonment to you and to your body. Thank you, Lord, that there will be blessings that we can't even understand here, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, and give you glory. Amen.